bad. No, we could do it a different way if you want. Welcome back. Let's just do hello and welcome back. Okay. Okay. I got it. My bad. Hello and welcome back. Yep. Okay. And hello and welcome back. Welcome back to another episode episode of Not Another Superhero superhero Movie movie Podcast. Villain Podcast. We we haven't we haven't uh, had too much of a of a villain focus so far. So get ready for this one. We're going to be talking about Joker. Joker, the number one R-rated movie ever via the box office. It's uh, hugely popular. It's hugely divisive, and uh, it's been talked about from everyone in the entire world. And now we're going to add our two cents. Yeah, yeah, and and our two cents. I I think a movie we were highly anticipating we we got a lot of hype you know we we picked up on the hype that we were going to have we we knew that this was going to be a different kind of movie they were already kind of broadcasting it as super gritty um and and trying to really dive into the joker character so uh we're excited to bring you our take on it yeah Um, and i think people background the joker character um i'm not like a huge comics fan but that Joker performance by Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight, I think it kind of kicks, it might have kickstarted that along with the first Iron Man coming out, really kickstarted my love for superhero movies. That was such a transcendent movie of our childhood. And now, they're trying to reimagine it, and we'll, we'll discuss it a little more. I think they mistook some of the good parts from that movie and converted it into these kind of awkward parts. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's totally right. I mean, the Joker character really was not taken seriously until the Heath Ledger performance. Um, you know, the, the, he's he's always been around, um, but he's but he's been comical, and his you know d- doomsday things have been ridiculous and over the top, and and obviously he has an over the top element to him, but it but the grittier more twisted, more agent of chaos, Heath Ledger is definitely what what this character has become. And we still see a lot of that in this movie, but in a different way. Right, in a way, I think, definitely, I believe the Heath, Lo- uh, Heath Ledger Joker was the biggest influence on this Joker, along with movies like King of Comedy and Taxi Driver and all those, all those great Scorsese movies that Todd Phillips tried his best to copy. Copy... Uh, Incredible, yeah. Copy is is absolutely the word, um, but yeah. So so why don't we get into it a little bit, Tom? Um, yeah, sure. Um, a little background about this movie. So it stars Joaquin Phoenix, obviously as Arthur Fleck. He's the Joker. He's the main guy. He's pretty much for parts of this movie the only character, and he does a great job. Also stars Zazie Beetz as Sophie, his girlfriend. Yeah, uh, depending Robert on your interpretation. Hero. Yeah. Robert De Niro as uh, as uh, Murray, Murray, the the late night comedy host. Right. And then um, I'm not sure who plays his mom, but his mom is a major character in the movie. Right. To the extent that there are characters over there, Arthur himself. And a, and a little bit of uh, Thomas Wayne as well. Right. We get a couple scenes of Thomas Wayne. We get one scene with Bruce Wayne. Um, yes. One scene with Alfred. Which I'm sure we'll have. Nothing to discuss later about that scene at all. No, no, it's not like you know, it, it, it's not like it, it, it's it's such a minor decision to choose to cast an actor to play like Bruce Wayne 
or you know Alfred in any movie. Yeah. So it, it's exactly. not a, it's not a decision that requires a lot of thought and like consideration of continuity or anything like that. Well, clearly not. Obviously, as you rewatch this movie, they didn't care about that at all. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so so it's in the it's in the Batman world. It's obvious, but it's but it's focused on Arthur, who is our who's introduced to us as you know this origin for the Joker. Um, right. So the movie starts, and we immediately learn. I don't think we any of us really knew this before. We immediately learn it's kind of like back in time, in a sense, like late 1970s or, or 1980, 1981, I think that might have been the time they gave it, of Gotham. Um, and it kind of parallels uh, 19, early 1980s New York. So a lot yeah. grittier, um, a lot more crime, and, um, you know, districts of the city that are, are not safe day or night, um, and there's all these, like, um, smut film theaters and and all of this kind of stuff that, that echoes back to this, like, actual time. Um, and then we, we right away kind of get introduced to, to Arthur in his day job. And his day job is um, to hold up a sign for a store, for, for any store he gets paid for. And he's dressed as a clown. Right, he's a clown for hire. Right. A freelance, a freelance clown, if you will. And the movie right away just does a, just hammers us over the head with... Uh, it sucks to be in Gotham at, yeah. at this time. Right. Uh, Arthur is basically spinning the sides. It's for a business that's going out of business. So even his first happy spinning, it's it's derived from a depressing situation of someone losing their livelihood. Uh, and then it takes about two seconds for him to get jumped by kids. And, uh, yeah, kids. They're they're like four or five kids, and he's an adult, so it, it, his life really really sucks. They right, they steal just, his sign, and then he chases them into an alley, and then they beat him over the head with it. Oh, and they're waiting for him. They yeah. Perfectly have it set up where as he's running, they swing the sign and it just crashes into him, and uh, they beat the shit out of him, and he is. You know, he's kind of whimpering. And it, just, it does a really good job right away setting him up as this sad, sad, pathetic character. Right. Even kids are jumping on him. But then we jump right into, so if that wasn't bad enough for Gotham, now we see the other side of Gotham. We get a news report when he goes home about there are super rats in the city. Nick, did you see any super rats? Because I've heard that. I, I believe that super rats are real. I mean, I didn't see them in this movie. Maybe I missed that. But, like... Yeah. That's such a that's such a classic like I know Gotham really is New York and it's such a classic like New York legend like alligators in the sewer, but yeah. it, are there there's there's supposed to be a super rat? I've heard in this movie that you can see I didn't notice it the first time and I was actually looking for it but I guess not at the right times. You could see super rat, like gigantic rats walking around in the periphery of certain shots. Wow! In the movie. Yeah, so again, a good That's job absurd. building the scenery. And we're going to criticize the movie a lot, but I think, kind of like we talked about Wonder Woman, about how it felt like, and the, the city does feel, it gives off the vibe that Todd Phillips wanted, at least. Yeah, uh, uh, we both have a lot of criticisms of this movie and a lot of things. One thing I don't have a criticism of is I do feel like the world is lived in. Like, it... it For sure. They, they give that enough, and it's not like, oh, we're in a studio lot. And, and I know they filmed a lot of it, like, in the Bronx or, like, tried to film 
on actual streets and we get the picture we get a good picture of the city as much of a picture of Gotham as maybe any as any Batman movie except maybe like um you know maybe Dark Knight Rises we saw a lot of got of like scenes of Gotham but this gives us a lot as well it's and it's almost like a parallel to Dark Knight Rises like there's that much chaos going on well I think the great thing about this movie is Gotham Gotham as New York obviously Gotham represents New York but this is in this movie it's the most over your head obvious Gotham is New York and yet there are even compared to Dark Knight Rises, which shows a lot of Gotham, the Gotham in that movie, I think that they filmed that in Pittsburgh. I'm sure. Yes, yes, they filmed that there. So this movie is a New York movie. It's kind of like the second character of the movie to Arthur. All the other characters kind of are in the periphery, but the main constants of this movie are Arthur Fleck and Gotham being a shithole. That's true, and and a lot of a lot of. Like like you said, Arthur, you know, the Joker, is sometimes the only character in a scene, but it's him in, like, the general reaction of people. People on the bus, or people in the subway, or people in the comedy club. Um, so you get the you get the feel of, of things from that, too. A lot, like, a lot of, like, people, you know, disaffected and that kind of stuff. The movie gets a lot of mileage out of comparing him to the general public and no-name characters and how they react. And it just, it really does highlight his kind of weirdness and his, um, his, that he doesn't fit in in society. Right, right. He, he's always being noticed, like, he's always being noticeable. He's always making, he ends up making a scene and it, you know, it, he, like, retreats from it. Um, right. So, the, you know, we start off with this over-the-head, Gotham is terrible, you know, he goes home, you know, he's, obviously, he sees the Super Rats on the TV. The other part of his terrible life is he lives with his mother, uh, you know, yeah, he, he's, like, in like, his, like, 30s or 40s, clearly, and so... They have a weird relationship right off the bat. Uh, there's a scene where he's helping bathe her, even though... Kind of throughout the movie, it's not like she's shown to have any sort of infirmity or... That's right. She clearly has some sort of mental problem where she doesn't want to leave the house, but in terms of, like, being physically disabled or anything where she can't wash herself, the movie doesn't really show that, but yet there's a scene of them kind of in the bath, and it's it just... It's a, it's the easiest way to show this is an unhealthy relationship. Right. We're going to show... And, and I respect that because they're showing, but they're not telling, so... Another, I, I, honestly, I think the movie starts off pretty good. I, I like a lot of the beginning parts of the movie. I kind of, you know, lose me at the end, but we'll get into that. The, yeah, yeah. There's there, there's points at work points that, that do less so. Uh, another creepy part of the relationship, you know, I think they're both, are they, are they both in bed, or is he, like, right next to her, like, in a chair next to her, but they, like, watch TV in her bedroom? Uh, um, I think he, like, they both, like, they're both laying on the same bed. Yeah. TV. Yeah, and they're watching TV. So it's like, oh man, this guy really doesn't have a life. Um, but right. what they're watching on TV leads to like a major plot part of this movie. Going into it, they're watching the Murray, uh, the Murray Franklin, Franklin. show, yeah. which is the late night show that the the Johnny Carson esque, you know, every man kind of show. And you're watching it, and they're, and you just see them kind of laughing at these generic zingers. 
and all of a sudden uh, Arthur is in this in the uh, audience and gets called you know he's now now we're in the show and he gets called out by Murray to stand up and talk about himself and then come on stage and then gets praised by Murray and it's super weird and I'll I'll admit I I, I kind of feel like you might you probably picked up on this too we watched this separately like within a week or so of each other and based on your general reaction I was like I was ready for the the strange twists and turns and this was the first one I saw and I was like well this this is odd this doesn't make sense um but I you know did you pick up on that right away as well um it was it was a weird thing I kind of at first when basically for the first half of the scene I was like I was on the fence is, is this a memory is he fantasizing about what it was like to be on and then once pretty much once Murray started saying I'd be honored to have you as a son yeah just all these really weird statements I was like oh well, this you know this is not it just highlights his dad it's daddy issues it's his you know his need to his need for approval especially right. from male authority figures um that he didn't never gets so it's it really just i i was like it hooked me for a little bit like half the scene and then i was like okay it's it's in his head right and and of all the scenes that like in his head scenes like this one is the i think the most obvious because it just it doesn't make any sense and they don't really continue it they don't really continue to t- try to tease you with it in that way no no they don't do as much of a at least like obviously spoilers to joker yeah. uh it's not like we go later on in the movie where we see uh sophie it turns out isn't his real girlfriend oh um, big surprise they don't try to sh- they don't try to string along that that this ruse as much as they do that ruse right although honestly i found i wasn't fooled by a second of that no but, and it was and it was kind of like an annoying use of screen time, to be honest. But what are you going to do? Because I didn't, I didn't buy it for a half a second. It didn't make it realistic. Right, right. And it, it also, it also didn't really motivate his character that much. So it kind of wasn't necessary. Like it wasn't a, it wasn't an illusion that him like realizing something was like like breaking his own imagination caused a big change in him. See, I think that's what they were going for, but I agree with you that they didn't pull it off. There are other they, things... You don't feel it. You know, like, so, uh, going through the story of the movie, we already get that he's an off kind of guy. We'll learn even more about, like, his certain mental issues that he has. But, um, of the different, um, allu- uh, yeah, d- illusions that he has and del- delusional thoughts that he has... And a lot of them get, like, the bubble gets popped. Uh, you know, the balloon gets popped at different, at different points. And they, you know, they, they give, give him a lot of negative reactions and they push him in a certain direction. This, that was one that, like, didn't really do anything. So I just, I, it just kind of fell flat. Yeah, I, I agree. I think part of it was a problem with the pacing of the movie that uh, all these bubbles kind of popped in succession. And that we didn't have any time to really examine his mental state. He went from kind of a normal guy to being like a homicidal maniac in about three seconds with really no justification. And honestly, at least the, the reason I think, I don't think any of it's real. Uh, I think about like half, after halfway through the movie, I don't think it's real. 
Yeah. My pers- personally, but we'll, I'm sure we'll discuss that because that's a real question and it's kind of the purpose of the movie. It's meant to be vague. Yeah. So, I have my own take on that too, which I, I try to find some nuance in it. So I'm excited to talk about that as well. Yeah. So when we get to, uh, first of all, we'll get to the first scene. Yeah. The only scene until the end of the movie that actually features Sophie as Sophie as a real person. Uh, and it, again, goes to show Arthur being awkward. Uh, so Sophie, played by uh, Zazie Beats, I believe her name is. She's a beautiful woman, but, single mother in the building. Her and Arthur kind of smile at each other. The kid is kind of being annoying. So she's like, oh my God, I'm like, yeah, kill me, right? Right, and right. She does her gesture. Takes way too long, doesn't react. And then when they're getting off the elevator, it does this like exaggerated killing himself motion that is yeah. clearly just makes everyone uncomfortable. Like a death scene kind of thing. Yeah. Very, right. very strange. And she, and basically he, he walks to his, to his apartment kind of laughing to himself and thinking that it was a positive interaction. You can kind of see that in no, in no way, shape or form was this a good interaction. Yes. Right. And um, I think it's not too long after this. I, I think I got the continuity on it. Um, he's also he he then has his appointment. Yeah. Right? Um, so he has an appointment. Uh, well, I think he does. He go to does he go to work first? He may go to work first. Um, right. But he yeah he goes to work and. That, that's what gives him the bad day. He goes... He gets the gun. Well, that's... Yeah. He goes to work... Not, yeah. He... He ha, He goes to work, and he works as, like like we said, a clown for hire. Um, and so he has, like, a, a boss, and he's, like, the, the typical just, you know, kind of, like, slave driver boss who is, like... And now you got to pay for the sign and all these other things. And he's not hearing any of his, I was mugged on the street excuses. And that, like... It's it's just an insane premise, though. The bot... And I'm going to talk about this kind of throughout because I hate how everyone is an asshole in this movie. It's so exaggerated. Everyone is so bad. Including Thomas Wayne, which is a a huge character departure. Yeah, he's supposed to be the positive influence for Batman. Yeah, Batman's, Batman's, Batman's a villain in this universe. Chris Nolan's Chris Nolan's Thomas Wayne was like a doc was like a doctor like a pro bono doctor in a hospital, and and this Who is also this, wanted to make a train system to to unite the city or whatever. Yeah, the world. yeah. It's Wait, like no. yeah, so. So I mean, maybe that's another whole thing of like pers- mental perspective in the in the film and what's real and whatnot. But yeah, such exaggerated characters and the the boss in this like sign sh- store is one definitely one of them. Yeah, he says, "Oh, I don't believe you. Come on, you stole the sign. You're gonna have to pay for it." He stole the sign. What? I mean, who sto- steals a going out of business it. sign, and which probably costs like a dollar? Seriously, it's it's insane. That's right? the other thing. Like, even if he has to pay for the sign, the sign probably costs a dollar. Like, why is this even a conversation? Yeah, and also you you were oh you left your post early. 
it's like anyone would be able to tell that he got beat up. There are, there are tons of witnesses that saw, saw the kid steal the sign. Right. Like the business owner not, not see it. Right. I and mean, it's all just kind of grating on. It's like, oh, what's that book? The kid's book? Like, so-and-so and his very bad, no good day. Yeah. It's kind of like what just Arthur experiences, like, everything possibly go wrong. Or like, or like series of unfortunate events. Person. It's like the worst thing ever, constantly. Yeah. Yes, it's it's so it's very exaggerated, but I mean this. So it's like clearly like he's on the ropes in terms of this job, and that's not going for well for him. I mean, it's obviously a shitty job, um, and he has like some some kind of sympathy, but also um, like teasing, like patronizing of the other uh, from the other people at work who are themselves. They they remind me of like the typical Joker henchman. I was almost expecting that to develop. Like, one guy is kind of, like, an oafish kind of guy. One guy is, um, like, a very like a, like a very short person. And it's all these, like, different characters that are, like, the characters that are in, like, Joker's crew. Um, but, yeah, clearly they, 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 they talk to him, but they don't necessarily respect him either. No, I think it's pretty clear that... Although, in this scene, they're not, they're joking, but they're not, like, over the, I don't think they're over the top nasty uh, to him as much as we see other people be. They're like, man, um, you're, you're, you're a weird dude. That's the, yeah. like, that's the level of it. And the one guy gives him a gun to protect himself. Which, um, which makes total sense in this environment that we've been introduced to. So, I thought that concept yeah. was good. It was like, this is a dangerous city. But we know, like, okay, this guy has problems. It's probably not great that this guy has a gun. But it's, you know, it, it makes sense. I thought that was a smart plot point. To I be agree. Honest. I think it was. Um, I, I bought that as kind of a Kickstarter and how joke, how the Joker would get a gun. Just, yeah. Yeah. That it, makes sense. It, it, now, it, how it, he gets all his ammo? Who knows? But I mean, I guess he had, like, right. He gets the gun. I, I can imagine he got six bullets, but I think he fires more than that later on, so. Um, uh, certainly. Yeah, so, so I mean, that's the introduction to the work scene, and we know that he has a gun. Um, also, during the day, he goes to, um, he has an appointment at the social worker's office. Uh, right. Actually, like a, a psychologist. And so... Clearly he has, and I don't think we ever, do we ever learn what it was for? No, well, well, we, we effectively do, but we don't know that. He has that card that he has some sort of, uh, I never really seen in the movie another scene to establish that he's, that something's wrong with him is he's making funny faces at a kid and it's, it's played for, you know, it's innocent and, Oh, he's making the kid laugh. He's doing what he wants to do, which is make people smile, which is how he starts out this movie, you know, before he gets broken and crushed by everything in the world. Yeah. Uh, and then pretty much the mom, again, just because Gotham... Aggressively. so bad. Aggressively. Like, aggressively tells him off and tells him to shut the fuck up. Yeah. And for no reason, because the, he's, make, he's making the kid laugh. The kid's, it's not like he's like, He's just making funny faces. It's not, he's not touching. It's, like, it's like, so out of place. Like, in the reality, honestly, the reaction, the, ac- the reaction would either be, like, neutral, or it would be, like, 
you know, kid, let's go. Like, the reaction of aggressively going after him is so strange in this yeah. in, in the That's way they the do least. it. Yeah, I'm hoping New York fan, again, I don't know what New York was like in the late 70s, but that's the least New York thing in the world. It would be a polite smile or a turnaround. It would be either one, a polite smile, two, a turnaround and do nothing, or three, a move to a different seat. That's the only reactions you're having on the, from that. You're not getting this woman flipping out because just everyone in the world is bad in this, in this universe. Right, right. Um, I mean, I think there's a rhyme and reason to it, but it's also a lot of, like, just trying to justify the plot as well. But, you know, in doing that, he then he starts cracking up, right, when he's getting told off, and he hands over a card, which does nothing to endear this woman to him. Um, But the card basically says, um, you know, I'm laughing involuntarily, I have a a mental condition— Right. So, like, okay, you know, we got introduced to the Joker laugh, which he does a bunch of times in this movie, and it's and it's actually attributed to a, an actual condition. It's not just... Not that he it's not just something that, that he wants, does for fun. Um, right. But he's also, he also goes to the social worker, the psychologist, and he kind of runs through the day and all these kinds of things that have happened to him. And the woman is like kind of half listening, like. But she, but but I thought this actress was really good. She kind of gave, she she told you the story of this guy has been here every week for for years, and he probably says the same thing every time. Like she's yes. so beaten down by this in, 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 encounter as well. That's interesting. That's an that's a different way that I took it. I almost took it as more evidence that. Things are fake, or things are more in his head, because they're kind of having two different conversations. That's true. Yes. And I get get what you're saying about you know she's going through the motions because she's beaten down. This is repetitive for her. Uh, We're not seeing her point of view. We don't know how you know how lavish this guy is, how long he's been there. I I get that. I just also for me, it's just kind of like wow. She's not acting like a normal social worker, psychologist, psychiatrist would act in this situation. Maybe not, but the the main plot thing that she delivers that this will be our last session, they're cutting funding, I think gives a lot of reason for her approach. Because, like, right. yeah. the, the I'm losing my job tomorrow person, yeah, I believe that they wouldn't, like, be doing now go here, now go there. There's nowhere to go. I think it's, it's, one, of, it's one of many times in this movie that they make like a a statement about quote-unquote society you know oh yeah this is one of no that's one of the most heavy-handed thing i i think that might you know pretty heavy especially the end movie gets pretty heavy-handed the where am i gonna go where am i gonna get my medicine that oh my yeah god yes that might be the most heavy-handed line of the whole movie right and again obvious what the implication was of her saying, you know, because not the guy's not rolling in money at all. It's clear that he doesn't have enough money to feed both him and his mother. Yeah. Because he's so skinny and, and she's like, you need to eat and he's clearly like and he's clearly not eating enough. You know, can't even sustain himself. That's how poor he is. Right. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious that if this public service gets shut down, 
he's not going to be able to afford his meds. I don't think we need to be having him. Yeah. He's not very subtle. And, and, like, I don't know if they did that for the movie or they're actually trying to make, like, an actual, like, real-world statement because uh, some of these heavy-handed things have, like, direct, like, real parallels. Like, yes, like, there was less funding for... You know, like like mental institutions were closed down or whatever, and like and and that that's like an such an obvious parallel that it's almost like it reminds me of how in the Chris Nolan, you know, the one my one not criticism, but my one like okay, you're looking at the audience moment of the Dark Knight was when you know he has to like destroy his uh, intelligence gathering device. Yeah. Yeah. It's like such an obvious like per- personal privacy statement in the movie. I mean, that, like this was the same. The, the Dark Knight. I mean, it wasn't especially some of the interactions between at the end of the movie between jo- uh, between Joker and Batman and the Dark Knight. That wasn't the most subtle movie either. It was. They were pretty clearly discussing things, which again is not a bad thing. No, it it, it it can enrich the movie as long as it as long as it doesn't go too far. And in that movie, I don't think it went too far. In this movie, it's just like it, it's more exaggerated, definitely. Um, uh, to, to take a little side side detour, because you, you mentioned about the symbolism in this movie and then the, the parallels between the movie and real life. I think one of the funniest things about the whole situation, because obviously uh, everyone who listens to this podcast knows, there's a ton of drama about. Um, potential violence breaking out this movie that it gets triggering to certain people. Uh, I heard that it's both uh, pro-right, pro-left, uh, minimizes mental mental health, or uh, overemphasizes the dangers of mentally ill people. I've heard so many things that are all contradictory to each other. I just, right. See, I, I think this movie doesn't have any parallels. I think it, like, it, it, reference, it has references. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think it has references, and you can pull those things out of it. Um, speaking to people. Yeah, it doesn't have a single message. Yeah, and I don't think any of the... Obviously, it refers to things that we think about, but not in, not in a coherent way that we actually can... Oh, the movie's trying to say this about this. It's not trying to say that... it. The movie is not saying that, like lack of social services will destroy the city. Like, like because it's, because some of the stuff that happens in this movie are, like, implausible. So... The whole movie's implausible. It's all fake. Yeah. But... Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I, I, I was of the camp that, like, I understand where people are coming from, and some people, you know, have reasons to be emotional about what, what their concerns were, but... I, yeah, this movie doesn't really have a message at the end of the day that that I mean, that jumps outside of the movie. So, well, especially after hearing Todd Phillips's comments on why he has to do comedy anymore and PC culture and people uh, being woke and that's why he can't do comedy and whatever, which is such bullshit. But right, putting that aside, I think his comments clearly show he doesn't really he he's not a person with message. He is almost, the director is almost a Joker character, and he just wants chaos, right? He hates these it, people who try to read. As in, as in he would love to hint at a theme, but actually not care to delve into it and let people 
plot spot you know spiral out on their own exactly yeah so i, th- I kind of think he, he has like oh i'll throw in something about you know oh this is a uh occupy wall street type right thing. oh but it's also uh mentally ill white man going on a shooting spree so here yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna agitate both sides with their dystopian parade of horror views but not actually right. come up with a single thing because who, who the fuck cares because i'm just doing it right so i don't know I, I think on one hand if i think it was better executed i could almost respect his this kind of chaos that in it the movie the, the movie has for a joker movie who's supposed to be an agent of chaos or at least can be portrayed as an agent of chaos the movie as itself is conserved as an agent of chaos I think it's kind of interesting, but I also don't think it was done well enough to actually work. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. I hadn't really thought of it in that light, but yeah, right. They 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 give they give uh, you know like red meat to either either you know extreme of an argument or or, or you know allusion to things, but exactly. they never really go all the way down on on either route. Um, but all of this is, you know, all of this and what we're talking about that's happened so far is just set up for the cascading, like, scenes in the movie and the cascading breaking down of all of the, um, dystopia, like, dis- the, the false beliefs that Arthur has at the end of the movie and, and brings him into, like, the path of Joker. Um, so right. the, th- the thing that really kicks it off is well, two things that, that come one right after another. The first is, so Arthur now has the gun and he brings the gun with him on his next gig, which is otherwise a lot better of a gig than holding up the sign. And he's actually pretty good at it. He's, he's a clown in a hospital and, and he's like performing for kids. And he's doing. And they seem to like it. They seem to like it. it, and it's working. And it's like, well, if this was his actual job, most of the time he might be able to like live and let live in society. But of right. course, you know, it's a movie, and, and and this guy has the worst luck in the world. The gun falls out of his his ankle or his like ankle sock, and is on the ground, and people are terrified, and people freak out. Freak out. Which- Get it. <laughs> Which I get it. And, you know, like, he's trying to, like, recover the situation and say as a prop. But then, like, I think the next thing, next thing is he's on the phone, right? And he's fired right on the phone or, yeah. And then yeah, he comes, yeah, he comes later. Right. He's immediately fired from the, from the agency, um, from the payphone, And... Um, at a later time, he'll come back and get his stuff. But right, but right now it's nighttime. He's fired, no money, and and it's like it's become the absolute worst day for him. And so that's when he that's when he goes on the subway, and subways in Gotham in 1981 are not a great place to be. Usually, you would think because the Joker is out there somewhere, but actually, you know, people are going to victimize the Joker. In this in this movie because it's an exaggerated movie. Yeah, it turns out the uh, subway at you know late at night or whatever time at night it is is a dangerous place to be because there might be three finance bros hanging out. Yeah, yeah, finance bros 
are a menace. Um, yeah, clearly. Right. Um, so these finance so, bros, and we got to talk about them a little bit because uh, I'll let I'll let yeah, our I'll let. Yeah, I'll let our audience decide when they fall off the reality cliff. So, yeah, subway car, not many people on it. Arthur's on it. Um, A a young woman in another seat is on it. And then, okay, three finance bros in their suits so that you know that they're finance bros stumble on some they look drunk at least one of them is drunk but they're probably all they're all they all seem to be a little bit drunk stumble on start being noisy all that one of them decides to you know clumsily uh, hit on slash harass the young woman and like just just if we didn't need enough evidence that these guys are bad right we're going to show them you know harassing this poor woman right so okay in in real city Ignored, right? You know, this is happening. Ignored. Get off the get off the train car. Next stop. Um, it, it, it's actually kind of realistic. Cause she like you either ignore it or you just leave. Like what she did, she moved to the next train. Right. You know, once it stops, which I mean, seen that, right. you know. Right. So 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 far so so far so good on the reality cliff. Um, gets close to it there when they start throwing French fries at her. Um, which I thought was, yeah. which, 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 yeah, pissed me off a bit. I, I, you know, I, you know, obviously, you know, we don't like these guys, um, possibly real. Well, um, here's a, I actually, I mean, I'm going to explain it more later, but I don't think that this is real. I, I really don't think this scene is real. I think we're going to meet. You think none of it is real? Uh, or I, part I of it is real? I don't think. I don't think it, I think he may have killed these people, but I don't think it happened this way because I think in his mind he's making himself to be more the hero, and that's why they're so over the top terrible. Mm. They're harassing her, they're throwing French fries at her. They sing the we'll get well, let's get to the song. Oh yeah, okay, that's, all that's, right. That's so she leaves the car. She leaves the car, and I think he he said some. He looked at them or he said something or like, hey, stop it, man, something like that, and then. And then they all kind of circle around him, these big bad finance bros, and you know he's dressed in his costume, right? So he's still got the clown makeup and the shoes and all this other stuff. Ugh. And they break out into what I guess is the unofficial theme of this movie: Frank Sinatra's "Send in the Clowns." What? Oh my Come God! On. Come oh on. my God! So first of all, this is That's not. So this is so dumb. This, uh, uh, you know, Frank. This is not. This is not a signature Frank Sinatra song. This is not a signature song. Maybe people of this time have heard one line from this song. Nobody on the planet, including Frank Sinatra, would have known all the words to this song. No, it's 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 so completely outlandish. One, when I was watching it in the theater, completely took me out of the movie. Because I was just like, yes. what the fuck is this song? It, I think it's the second thing that takes you out of the movie. The, the first is like him imagining himself in the crowd, but it still kind of works. You know, of yeah. the late night TV show. This one, uh, yeah, agree. Totally takes you out of the movie. Yeah, I just really don't get it. Um, 
And, and actually, it does bolster the theory that this this event in the subway is so fantastical and so over the top that he's rationalizing him killing three people who might have been just loud or whatever happened, and that's why he kills them in, re- in reality. But in his mind, he twists it into it being this uh, right, and then this kind of dramatic event. And then, and I and I like I appreciate your analysis of Todd Phillips' intentions here because there's another like trigger moment reference that this scene has, which I guess is really, which is really just to screw with people and probably not a message. But yeah, you know, they circle him. Reference, yeah. yeah, so they circle him. Then they think they start to wail on him and beat him up, but he's got his gun, right? And so he. Yep. goes, boom, shoots one of them. Boom, shoots another one near him. And now they're kind of, you know, one of them is just straight up dead, another one is limping along, and the third one is going to try to escape. And this whole scene is is clearly like a, a Bernie Getz, you know, subway vigilante reference. Yeah, it's clearly right, but in a movie that... To an, actual, to an actual event in New York. Yeah, and it's a movie that's so devoid of racial tension... Other than that, which is that's true. A, a really a really interesting choice because it clearly parallels late seventies, early eighties New York, which is ripe with racial tension. The his girlfriend, you know, even fake girlfriend is, I think, is black or mixed race. Yeah, and and the and, and the the gang that beats him up like, of kids is Hispanic. So yeah, like, but but there's no racial component. There's no racial component. They could be any race. It's yeah. not really about that. And even at the end. Of the movie where it's rich versus poor, it race doesn't factor into that either. So it's weird. It's weird, and this is what kind of it's another thing that adds my theory about him just kind of throwing shit in there just to create a stir for no reason. Right. Because it doesn't fit in the movie. It, the movie doesn't have any other racial parallels or any other. I mean, maybe people can correct me if I'm wrong. I, I, was, I didn't see any. And yeah. I mean, here's the honestly, yeah. like, thank, like, thankfully, like, superhero movies don't have to be, like, dealing with racial issues front and center all the time, and this is a villain movie. Like, I don't think we've had a movie that directly addresses that, except for Black Panther, of course. Um, yeah. But, yeah, th- that's that's not really a component in this movie. Um, and the, and this, you can't say this is, like, a reverse you know, demonization, uh, because... The identity of these Wall Street bankers is not like so much that they're white guys; it's that they're rich, and it's right, all that's, it that's becomes that. Made. Yeah, and it's just a weird. Again, like you said, it's just a weird reference to this pretty famous event in New York history, and um, especially with the you know uh, the way it's kind of portrayed in this guy's own mind as self defense, but you really see it's not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you can yeah. it, it it escalates, right? So so the maybe the first in this in this you know imagine this is real for a second. Yeah, he responds, but then but then he's got to get all of them, and so he chases the guy. You know, he he kills the guy who's limping along in the subway uh, car, and he chases the last guy onto the platform who's trying to escape, and he gets him too. Firing probably more than six shots. Yeah, and, and another reason why I think the movie is fake here is that he kind of... Early in the movie, he 
there's a scene earlier where he's in his apartment after he gets the gun and he's kind of acting right. like, I'm cool, I'm a cowboy. And he's, he's watching, watching a cowboy TV. TV, yeah. Yeah, and he misfired, he accidentally fires the gun. It's like he's never held this thing before. He's not, he has no idea what he's doing. And then, okay, so maybe he kills the guy in accident that's standing right over him, attacking him. Right. That's fine. Maybe he kills the other guy who's right next to him also. But shooting a guy like that after, like, on the move, he's running away, he's kind of far. That, that's a really competent shot for this character to make. It doesn't really show any other signs of competence in the entire movie. In any of the real parts, at least. So... I get what you're saying. Outside of the outside of the the song thing that took me out of the scene, I actually do like this scene because I I like visually I thought it was like chilling, and I think it's one of the more interesting scenes to watch in the movie. And I like that it didn't happen at the end of the movie; it happened in the middle of the movie. And we had all of these like scenes where he's back in like normal world trying to interact with people after he's had this, like, transformation into a murderer. I thought yeah, that I was actually, interesting. I agree. I think that works. I just... But, where they go from... Yeah, where they go from it. Right. Um, so, so this sets off the next chain of events in this movie, which is the other, you know, Todd Phillips nudging at the audience theme of kill the rich, right? Because... Right. It becomes, there's two sides. There's a menace, and there there's a menace to Gotham, um, but then other people decide, and I don't know how they would decide this, that, like, no, this guy's actually right, that that the, there's too much poverty, and there's not enough, you know, equality in, in Gotham, and so people wear these Joker masks as, like, an homage to this subway killer. I think it's because it's because of this TV interview by Thomas Wayne, who, when he's announcing that he's running for mayor, he, one, these people work for his company, right? You find out, and it turned, he's kind of saying what a, you know how how unfortunate he's this good is. man, and then he goes yeah. full asshole, and he's like, all the poor people are clowns, like the killer, and and it just really just attacks the poor, kind of for no reason, right? And not not in character for like normal Wayne. Thomas Wayne. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's completely out of character for the kind of character we know. Completely in character for this movie where everyone sucks. But he, uh, it's it's weird, especially because I don't know. Later on in the movie, it doesn't make. And maybe this is on purpose, but especially when he has his interactions with Arthur later in the movie, and you're not really sure who to believe and whatever. This scene makes just making him seem like an asshole kind of makes you just like, ah, I hate everyone that I'm dealing with, like. There's no light to the there's you know shadows look better when there's light to compare them to. Yeah. You know, here everything is just dark. They don't even try to make you I don't think they even try to make you sympathize with the Joker too much with with Arthur too much in this movie. I think um, I think you think they do? I kind of think they do just in terms of because everyone it's like everyone is so bad how could you not turn out bad in that society? Mm. You know, where you yeah. are. And I, that's why I think the, one of the great failings in this movie is, is this is not, this shouldn't be a sympathetic figure. I think if the movie was done successfully, you would portray him in the beginning, kind of like they do as, oh, this guy's a sympathetic figure. 
But then ultimately, by comparing him to more rational characters and more good people, for lack of a better word, you'd realize that no, this isn't this. This what he's doing is not a product of mental illness. It's not a product of him being poor. It's not a product of him being you know abused by other people. It's just a product of him being a bad, a villain. Yeah. That's what the movie is. The Joker's a villain. So, and I don't think they, they landed, and I'm not sure. I think, yeah, you know, this doesn't. Well, really get that. I, I don't think they were. Yeah, I, I don't think that was their mission in it. Like they they wanted to make him. They, they, I think they were maybe going for controversy, but they wanted to make him like somebody that people could like, and uh, you know, within the context of the movie and, and all of that. Um, I don't know what they're setting it up for or anything like that, but yeah, they didn't they didn't want to make you think that he was like the worst villain in the world by the end of this movie. So they just bring everyone down to his level. Yeah, exactly. I think it's really it's a lesson. And this is what I was saying before about they learned the, they, they learned the wrong lesson from the Chris Nolan Batmans. People don't like the Chris Nolan Batmans because they're dark and gritty. That's the main word that gets used to describe them because they are. But the reason people like the Chris Nolan's Batman is because they're really fucking good. Yeah, they're well-made movies with interesting plot dynamics and great acting and great character moments and. It's, they're great movies. At least the Dark Knight is a great movie. I think Batman Begins is really good. Dark Rises is pretty good. But right. Dark Knight is a great, great movie, which is what everyone thinks of when they think of Nolan Batman. Think of the Dark Knight. It's an amazing top-tier movie. This movie saw, oh, what's the, it's, it's a movie with the Joker that's gritty and dark and people are you know amorphous and maybe gray. Okay, we'll do a gritty, dark Joker movie, too. But you forgot the whole point of that joke of the Dark Knight was there's a light to balance the dark. Right, and and here here's a light. And the and the plot in that movie is pretty tight um, compared to this one. This one kind of like meanders to its ending. Yeah, and I think almost on purpose because he clearly, you know, reading the director's comments, clearly isn't trying to make a coherent movie and that's he wants it to be that's a bold statement from a director to admit that they're not trying to create make a coherent movie yeah I mean he doesn't want to reveal what's real what's not actually there's there was a statement released pretty recently that said that kind of makes one of those unclear things a little more clear which I thought was unfortunate because I liked it I actually liked this part that it was unclear but we'll get to that a little bit later on yeah uh but right now, let's just let's move on in the plot. Uh, now we start to see almost the good times roll for the Joker after he had this right. horrendous day. Things are starting to look up for him. Right. So he um, he invites uh, Sophie to. We see him invite Sophie to a comedy performance. We see the comedy performance is straight up terrible. By the way, like that's obvious and apparent but we also see sophie enjoying it and like liking him and part of, and the crowd enjoying it too right which is interesting because he clearly it's objectively it. terrible like we don't we don't see a fake good performance like we see it we see him like not being able to deliver a punchline right and um, people are laughing anyway and she's clearly smitten and yeah. uh 
you know, again, in a pretty heavy-handed thing. When they're walking through, they're on a date. They could, uh, she points out and says, I think that guy is a hero. I'm talking about the subway murder. Right. Which is Arthur. She doesn't know it's Arthur, but, you know. Right, so there's that's going on, and that's good. Um, the, the other recurring... Th- um, but then, you know, another, like imagination in his mind is going to get bursted um with the recurring thing that we've seen a little bit you know we've seen what what bursted is we've seen that he's poor and that he lives with his mother and they're both poor and the mother has been writing letter has been writing letters to thomas wayne she she used to work for the wayne family and and she says that and so she thinks that if thomas wayne gets to read her letter she'll help them and you know, put that, put them in a better place and all these kinds of things. And it's the weird parallel is like Arthur sounds like he's making the rational approach to it. Cause he looks at it and he's like skeptical of it, which is interesting cause he's not buying into that, um, you know, delusion, but well, here, here's why he doesn't buy into that delusion. Cause Especially early, it's early in the movie. It's while he's still on his meds. Mm, that's a good point. A lot, of, a lot of the crazy shit that happens is after he loses his meds. That's a good point. In this movie, and it's all it all happens in his head. Right. Um, but alongside that, what changes is he at some point sees a letter from. Does he see it in a normal way, or does he see it in like a weird? I th- does he read a letter or is it I think it's a letter right yeah he reads a letter and he pretty much I forget why he how he reads it whether he wants to deliver it for her or it got returned maybe right I um, think it got returned he, op- he opens it and essentially he, sk- he skims through it and he finds out that at least according to his mother Thomas Wayne is uh, Arthur's father right his real father and so that's like a a woe moment to him and it inspires him to go to Wayne Manor and try to talk to him and meet him. Um, and, and the way he presents himself is that he, it's not like he wants all this help. It's like he wants his like, you know, close, you know, closure in his life and a father figure kind of thing. Yeah, like, no, I think this is a scene that works actually because clearly sees uh you see it early in the movie when he has his dream sequence with on the Murray Franklin show he, all he wants is he wants approval he wants he wants a dad who doesn't have one uh you, you see what you see kind of why he has especially a strained relationship with uh his mom's like boyfriends over the years abusing him and he just wants a normal family life he which I don't know that we know about yet we learn that later the boyfriends no, but he, but he's experienced it. We don't know right. yet, but he's right. experienced it. So, he, he, all he cares is that he wants a normal family life. He wants more of a nuclear family. He sees he has a brother. You know, it's just been him and his mom. Now he's, he sees his happy family. And, right, even more than the money at this moment, which he desperately needs, he cares more about the family aspects than he does about the rest. Right. And, and, and that's that's kind of told to the audience in a lot of ways. So... We know that going into it. And so, again, he's the innocent kind of 
victim of a world of like assholes as he goes into right. this. So he goes to Wayne Manor and he's his he's the same kind of person he was on the bus making smiley faces to the kid in the seat next to him. He brings a red clown nose with him and he runs into young Bruce Wayne on the other side of the the main gate and he does the whole kind of like joke smile joke laugh kind of thing to this kid in his mind entirely innocent yeah he doesn't see the problem with you know a guy who's the way they portray him in the movie is how old the 30s yeah he's in his 30s or 40 yeah but probably 30s yeah I actually think I I thought I remembered like that he, the, the age they set for him in the movie is way too young, but from what he actually you know, looks like as Joaquin Phoenix, yeah. yeah, yeah. But regardless of what the age difference actually is, it's a clearly a much older guy making these weird faces and doing weird clown things for like not like a five year old that would love the clown shit, like a ten year old, yeah, like, yeah, not and who's again a weird Bruce. Who cares about casting Bruce Wayne? Obviously not an important casting choice, but why why have Bruce Wayne here to do nothing? Yeah, I mean it's just it's just to wink at the audience. It, there's no there's no plot service really. Well, it's because he it. wanted to get this movie made, and the studio no studio would be like, oh, we don't want to make your weird taxi driver movie. Yeah, we already have one that it's called Taxi Driver. He's like, fine, fine. We need to put Batman Joker. in this movie. Yeah. You know, make him Joker, we'll put Batman in it. And it's like, oh, really? Okay. So that's why, like, you know, the, all the Joker stuff seems tacked on at the end. None of it seems makes any sense. We wrote it to get it made. Yeah. Speculation. Wild speculation. Wild speculation. But, yeah, we, we end up with a little bit Bruce Wayne. I mean, to be honest, there's been plenty of 12-year-old actors cast as young Bruce Wayne, but they... They all kind of just like cry in an alley. So this one got to, you know, lean against That's the true. fence. So they got his face grabbed by Joaquin Phoenix. Right. So, so more screen time. Um, and we get an Alfred, which was equally unnecessary. Uh, because what eventually happens is, after a minute or so of this, um, a stern British man comes to the gate and say, you know, says. Get away from him. What are you doing here? You're not welcome here. And I knew your mother. She was a psychopath. She was a psycho. And he's kind of like, just wanders off. He's a little broken. And now we see some of the cracks start to happen in his in his world's facade. We have... Right. He's been wronged again because right. they're refusing to see him. delusional high that he was on with his fake girlfriend and his fake new family and now they're starting to cracks are starting to seep through one of the cracks that seeps through is clearly that he probably doesn't have his real family that gets exposed as the movie goes on the other crack though is the police are somewhat closing in on him right they're starting to ask Uh, they're starting to ask people at, at his old job which Man, these cops are so bad. How did that close in so much earlier? 
believe they do. But in the movie, at least. Yeah, I don't know. Catch him in three seconds. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how they don't like. They close in on the on the the employee, the the like the company, but they don't pick out the disaffected fired employee who had brought a gun to work and it also has like a record of <laughs> mental illness it's... a gun of, of the same caliber that was used with no alibi it honestly it, I, that's again the movie's fake I do think they catch him at, at much earlier than they actually do because, and then when he's in the mental institution, yeah, I think he's been in there for a lot longer than he actually was. Yeah. No, that, that's a that's an interesting point as well. I, because, I, you know what, the cops just have to be so bad at their jobs to not catch him. And they were normal, like, I'm not 100%, they were normal cop names, right? There was no, like, Sergeant Gordon or anything like that, right? No, no, that yeah. was, like, a lot of people were looking for that Easter egg, but no, there no Gordon. Right. Reference. Um, but, yeah, so the cops are closing in, so now all of these... Uh, you know, every the all all of this highs are coming down. What really shatters his um, view of like I had this family life, of course, is he. I think he sees on TV or something that Bruce Wayne is going to be at a benefit event or benefit concert. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, Thomas Wayne, and so he just another unrealistic scene wanders in. Dresses up like a bus boy, goes, you know, saunders like through the place, and runs into Thomas Wayne in the bathroom, and yep. says, "You are my father, and you know my mother was, you know, so and so Fleck, Peggy Fleck," and he's like, "Your mother was a psycho, and you were adopted." Yeah, sorry, you, you, I suck, and you're horrible. And Did he need to be crazy. adopted? Like, what was the point of that line? I guess just because he has no identity then? Um, yeah, so he doesn't... Well, I guess it cho- if you're being charitable, it shows that he doesn't... It, it, it's a catalyst for him going to the mental institution to get the records, and when he sees those records, then he's able to figure out that... Then he it, believes it, it. Right. Then he believes it, and it also serves as a catalyst for why he's so willing to kill his mom. Like in a scene, right? You know, pretty much because he does have this break where uh, she's been lying to him about something so important, and that you know, even this most fundamental relationship he has, because he's obviously super close to his mom, uh, is kind of based on lies. Right, and I think that, uh, that happens a little bit after his mom is actually like has a heart attack or something and is like admitted to the hospital. So he, he has that going on, too, and the detectives are talking to them, but they're talking to him not as, like, suspect number one. Um, no, no, they're, they're, it's, it's weird, actually, because when they talk to him, they're, like, you know, they're waiting for him outside the hospital. Uh, they give him way too much time. Yeah, they're kind of like, oh, hey, uh, and then they, they recite some of the evidence they have, which seems super damning, and they're just like, but yeah, we're not going to arrest you. Yeah, go and take your time. Don't even, like, they didn't even give the, you know, don't leave the city, right? Yeah. 
to him. Like they, it didn't seem like he, he maybe was a person of interest, but I mean, he should have been suspect number one with a bullet. Like, yeah, I don't know. It seems again far fetched, but but dumb. you know the 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 line from Thomas Wayne, and then going to the asylum, getting the records, running. You know, he's he has to steal them. And so he runs off with the records. They kind of know who he is. I think that's part of why they won't give him the records. Um, they see that he's like part of them. And yeah, maybe. Um, also, just like you know, you're not supposed to give out confidential medical records if it's not the person. <laughs> right. Not to, right. Uh, legally. So maybe that's part of it. Regardless of what it is, somehow he's able to steal them through this gate. Which right. Also, an implausible like escape. But yeah, like, but now everything is stop. now everything is escalating because even in this fantasized scenario, it becomes more and more obvious and plausible that like, you know, Arthur Fleck did this, you know, is responsible for this, that, and and everything else because, you know, he steals the records, obviously him. Um, then the catalyst like that we alluded to is this causes a break where he decides to kill his mother. And so he he goes to the hospital and just your typical like hospital murder scene just smothers her with the pillow. Yeah, and it's important it's it's important to note that um he smothers his mother with a pillow, but only after Sophie, who is there with him for a while, leaves the room. She leaves the room and then he smothers his mom, his mom with a pillow, which is uh, kind of interesting because some of the important events in the movie that happen, she's not there for. Right, and which is a little sec- like, if, you need, if you need more of a t- you know a hint that she's fake. Yeah, that all of a sudden it, it changes. It's it's like in it's it's convenient in his head to change the scenario. And is this also when he gets featured on the Murray Franklin show? Uh, um, yeah, right after. Right, uh, right after. Like after that. Um, it, well, after that, but but also after um, after the guys from work come to visit him. No, no, I'm talking about when he initially gets where, where Murray yes. is in front of him. Yes. Because right. He sees. He see. He yeah. This is the time. So at this time. He's watching the Murray Franklin show by himself. I think in the hospital. Right? In the hospital. With his mom. Oh, yeah. He might see it with his mom. But his mom, I don't know if his mom's asleep, but she doesn't really comment. But, yeah, she's, she's unconscious, I believe. But um, it's, a, it's a cut from his... And, and people have pointed out how implausible this is, but I, I think we could just blow past that. It's a cut of his comedy stand-up sketch... And he's like joking, and Murray Franklin makes jokes about how, how you know, how much he fell flat, and it's like not funny, and it's just so unfunny that it's funny. Wait, and you called him Johnny Carson before, but really he's like he's like uh, he's more like Jay Leno or or someone I don't know. Um, it's like today, it's like a YouTube video, right? It's who's recording this random comedy show. Right, yeah, a lot of people have pointed that out. Is it a clip show? That they're sending, you know, they're sending this in to Murray Franklin, like, hey, Murray, comment on this. Yeah. What? It doesn't seem like what his show does at all. Right. Uh, Very strange, but 
so okay that happens and then he realizes that this is when things start to unravel real fast yeah so he realized you know and, and this is what tips the audience off when you've seen the scene of him doing the comedy show before Sophie was there she was smiling everyone in the room was laughing when they showed on the clip from the outside no one laughs it's clear he's just bombing right and yeah then he tells his mom, it's raining, the police are on his tail, they want to talk to him. He then goes and he goes to uh, Zazimis' apartment. Yes. Which, at the time, they're, they're portraying it as, oh, he just walked into his girlfriend's apartment. No big right. deal. But then, it immediately twists when she walks in the door and is terrified. Yeah, she's it, like, you're oh, Arthur, you're right, from down the hall? I think you have the wrong yeah. apartment. Yeah. You live with your mother down the hall, I think you're in the wrong apartment. And uh, then... Then they give us the flashbacks, and they show every scene that she was in, except she wasn't really in those scenes, which is like... Yeah, which is... Why do we need, why do we need those flashbacks? Such basic cinema. Such a basic cinema move. Which... It's yeah. kind of like... Yeah. We don't need those flashbacks, just like we don't need this entire segment. Like, it just doesn't work. Last week, I railed against Wonder Woman for going back and tell and like showing the dialogue with Chris Pine and Gal Gadot. So I thought it was kind of self-explanatory with the conversation they were having. I didn't think you need to see it again. This is even so much more infuriating because, of course, it's fake. First of all, they weren't fooling anyone that yes. was real. But second of all, if they did, her literally saying, oh, you're Arthur who lives down the hall, please, you know, have my please child leave. here. That's, that is the most obvious thing. You don't need to have this light bulb moment where it goes off in his head that it's all fake. Yeah. It, it, it's fake. We know it. It's real. Um, so does, he, uh, does he kill her? Oh, because we don't see anything on the in the movie. Yeah. Um. I mean, I've, I've actually like heard a couple different arguments for and against. Uh, I was actually in the theater the first time I watched it. I was very. I thought they were gonna have. So I looked super closely as he walks out of the apartment, whether he has any blood on him or anything. Right. I don't. I think, didn't see. I didn't see anything. I didn't see any. But I, but the very next scene is him like taking a shower and then getting in the fridge and stuff, and there are sirens outside. So I think it's supposed to be unclear. There, I know there was a deleted scene where he does kill her, but again, it was deleted for a reason. So we yeah. make it more unclear. I, th- I, I, I'm gonna say no, and I'm gonna say no because I think they do make a concerted effort to show some randomness on his part. And that he just doesn't kill everyone in front of him. Like, he kills, you know, the, the, there's some people that he lets go, and there's some people that he j- just wants to kill, and he's going to kill them. So, I, I, I don't think there's any reason, like, there's no rationale that they give for him killing her. Um, well, I think there's this implied rationale that he is a man rejected by a woman that he portrayed feelings on that didn't actually happen. And it's kind of like, it is a, 
you know, unfortunately, it's a, it is a thing True. That, um, that unfortunately does happen, maybe not to this extreme, that, well, it does happen to this extreme, but, you know, not often, but even in everyday life, people do um, ascribe greater intentions to certain actions, and you kind of see that throughout the movie, right? So, like, she smiles at him. It becomes, it turns us into the whole thing. infatuated. Yeah. And he immediately stalks her, and and it's so. Yeah, I mean, if they if if yeah. they're if they're building that theme, then yeah, I get what you're saying. But I it, it's so hard to tell because because they didn't want they didn't want that they didn't want to add that to an already jumbled movie, so they're kind of like you know what we'll leave it a little bit unclear. I actually kind of like that they left it unclear because if they didn't, he becomes more of the villain that you're talking about. Yeah, and I think he probably is, because I think he probably, so we disagree here, but I think he probably did kill her, uh, just because the sirens do it. I don't know if you can, you can hear, but there are sirens outside my door. But yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I don't know if the sirens could also be because of, like, I mean, that's where he lives, too, and his mother was murdered, and maybe they're looking for him. Like, I don't... I mean, well, then they oh, could get there him. Could be, there could be a million reasons why there are yeah. sirens. I don't think it's a smoking gun at all. Um, I just think that narratively it fits that this kind of disturbed person... I don't... It's not like... I, I would understand if he felt betrayed by this person who's now claiming they don't have a relationship, even though, obviously, it's not the case, but in his mind i wouldn't be surprised if that was that happened yeah okay but yeah but it's now he gets the visit from or gets a call from murray franklin uh from her from one of the producers there and guess what they love that they love the clips so much they want you on the show so bad that you were good yeah you got such reaction from people calling in that people want to see more of you somehow. And they want you to come on the show, which has been his dream. He has that dream of going on the Murray Franklin show, meeting Murray Franklin, and there he is. Um, right, so he's going to be on the show. And right. and also, and before we get to him being on the show, um, he, he also gets visited by two of the guys from work. From, from his old job, who are talking about, you know, the detectives are asking us questions, and, um, and one of the guys is the guy who gave him the gun, and the other guy is that is the short guy, who is yeah, who's so, just friendly to him. Right, so it's kind of, they're, they're coming in to check, uh, one, that, they're coming in to check on a couple of reasons. One, they seem a little bit genuinely concerned with him, how he's, you know, how he's doing. They were at least somewhat friendly with him. The guy, with the, gun, the guy who gave him the gun clearly has some alternative motives. Yeah, he, he's, he, he's worried about being in trouble. He's worried about being... He kind of, I think he sold him out to the cops, but at the same time, he's probably worried about being some sort of accessory or something. Uh, right. So he clearly, he wants to, he, it seems more a, a beneficial visit from the one guy and the other guy more self-interested. Right, that's how it's presented, and, and that's the kind of questions that are asked. And I don't think there's anything specific. Is there anything specific that sets him off, or he just flips out? 
I think he just flips out. Yeah, no, I don't think there's, like, anything that triggers him. It really is, like, an American Psycho twist, like, moment where... Where he just takes he scissors, just right? Yeah, he takes scissors and decides to stab the shit out of the guy who gave him the gun. Who also made some, like, like snappy remarks to him, too. So he did some stuff to piss him off, like, immediately before. Yeah, he got an asshole. Yeah. Clearly. Right. Uh, so he dies, and the And guy, it's brutal. It's, like, the most brutal murder in this movie. Probably. Oh, by, by far. Yeah. Every, every Super bloody. That we, that we see is pretty clean and... And it's done from a, a via gun. Who's the only person he kills with his bare hands, or like you know, like with the with, a, with a bloody <laughs> knife and everything? Yeah. Yeah. And it and it's a creepy uh, scene. It's another scene that kind of works because it's an unnerving thing. Yeah, it's super unnerving. I mean, he just flips out, and you see this. And the other guy is watching the entire time. Yeah, there are very few moments in this, and we'll. I want to talk about this at the end. There are very few moments in this movie that I believe this Joker as is a Joker, is the Joker. Um, this is one of the moments where he kind of seems like he could be a Joker. Yeah, and a big, and, you know, and I think a big part of it is is the aftermath, where the other guy is just terrified and and on the floor, and he's like afraid for his life, but he's also wondering, like, you know can I get out of this somehow? And and then he lets him go. Right? He lets, he lets him go. And, and the funny thing is, which is actually kind of like a twisted, dark, really funny moment where he, like, he's, like Nick said, he's, uh, he can't, to be sure, he can't reach the latch to yes. get, let himself out of the apartment. Out of the, from the door. Yes. And he has to ask Arthur, who's on the floor, like, covered in blood. Just, like, exhausted, like, relaxing himself after murdering this guy. Right, so he was was already kind of like, okay, I'm just gonna slowly step out, and then he can't, he has to bring it up. And the thing is, I don't know, I probably felt like Joker, he probably should have left, right? Laughed at it? yeah, that, yeah. Kind of that's a great maybe, point but I don't know maybe it's that uh, he just doesn't laugh at anything appropriate anything that's actually funny in the entire movie that's even when he goes to that comedy club when he's working on his own material he laughs if you notice the guy's telling pretty funny jokes actually and the crowd's laughing and he's laughing as After. a reaction to the crowd laughing yes not from the joke right it's always so off he doesn't, he doesn't know What's funny? I mean, even his mom says you're not funny. He doesn't know anything. Yeah. He doesn't know. Right. So maybe that is in character. But I thought a traditional Joker scene would probably really delight at that tragic irony. Right. That's a great point. Uh, but it's still an unnerving scene for sure. And and one of them Very works. Nerve, yeah. Um, so yeah. all of that, you know, all of this is the character building of Arthur and the new kind of Arthur. And then we see kind of who he views himself to be before he goes on the Murray Franklin show because he's now, like, chosen to dress up as a, like, refined version of his old clown character. So he paints his face, and he wears, like, an orange suit, and he 
you know, does like the green hair, and yep, he does the dancing down the. He does dancing down the steps. Steps. There's a lot. Yeah. I I want to talk about a little bit. Like, there's so many scenes in this movie. And frankly, I think too many, where it's just Arthur by himself, and a lot of times he's just like staring at himself in the mirror, or he's like, it, it just like. trying to dance in a very like contorted way yeah this is one that might be worth it but the other ones it's just like so much i agree it's a lot but they're actually some of the only scenes in the movie i like because i think he's doing a really good job acting and i think it's just it's kind of entertaining i i liked the man having a mental crisis having this breakdown as a plot of a movie when you throw in the society and the Thomas Wayne and the Joker parts of it, that's where the movie loses. Yeah. With him and his mom and maybe even Sophie, but I, I don't think you need it. Then I kind of like that those parts of just this guy who... Then you can have this tragic movie where, you know, if he just kills those those two guys, that's the only guy go away, then, you know kind of on accident, kind of on purpose, this guy beaten down. Um, and I thought it was, like, mostly there, and then all the Joker stuff was just... It seemed like two different movies to me, honestly. I, I agree with you. And and what I was saying to people, as, you know, as we were getting prepared for this podcast, like, our, our quick takes on it, I felt like having the, the Joker name and, like, having it be part of this wider like series seemed both unnecessary and like a higher bar than they needed to meet and that they didn't actually meet like it wasn't like they didn't justify making this movie a movie about the joker as a character versus like a just a a a normal story right like for instance if you're doing like a random spy story and you want to do whatever. You don't need to call him James Bond. James Bond. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, if you want to make a story about a psycho, about like a crazy guy or has a mental breakdown and maybe, and maybe has some societal overtones in the movie, it doesn't have to be a Joker movie. Right. Right. And it doesn't really, it doesn't fit, it doesn't make sense as a Joker. And we'll get into the, because this is a superhero podcast, we'll talk about universes, we'll talk, I guess, about, a little bit about, or lack of universes. in yeah, this instance, how the yeah. fits in a universe, or if he does it all, which doesn't. We're going to the Murray Franklin show. He's there. There's kind of this, the starts of these riots that are happening that he kind of triggers these by kill the rich riots. by the cops. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I don't know really how this... Everyone in spontaneously decides to get these clown masks and wear them, and it makes it hard for the Joker to get caught because uh, right at this point they're decides to they're basically actually looking for him at this point, and yeah, he, they're full they're full on chasing him, and and he can just blend into the crowds because they there's so many people that are dressed as him that also they all they, they also attack him yeah they attack they're the cops. Like aggressively in force, yeah, in broad daylight. The beginnings, the beginnings of a riot going on. Right, and, uh, and then we kind of leave the riot and step into the Murray Franklin show, uh, 
where they're getting prepared and he's going over his joke book. And we've seen a couple scenes prior to this where he's practicing uh, his twirl and his what he's going to act like when he's on the show and how yeah. he's going to ham it up. And, and it just, it, again, the movie's, it, it plays with what's real and what's fake because when he's doing this at home, he's so unnatural. It, it looks. He sounds like a robot. He looks like a robot. Yeah. He looks like not just a robot. He's like an alien that's trying to study how human beings act. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then like imitate it, but doesn't actually know. And then yet yeah, when he gets on the Murray Franklin show, he's lapping up the applause. He kisses the old woman. You know. Yeah, like a like a shock like a shock entrance, right? Yeah. And it's something that's completely out of character for him. It, you know, through this whole movie, you know, this is like. It, but it is, but it is <coughs> in character for the normal Joker. The it, normal Joker exactly, is is a showman. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. I, I, if you just show me this scene, and not, not the rest of the movie, I'll be like, oh yeah, that's the Joker. But it doesn't fit with anything he's done in the rest of the entirety of the movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think what they were trying to, I think one thing they were trying to get to is things have happened to him that have made him become this character, and part of that character is a showman, but but maybe, you know, right, like, it's hard to buy, because they didn't, they didn't build into, they didn't build into that development, they just yeah, kind of... Stuff like, like he, he loses the laugh, he loses the... You know, he gains confidence, he becomes better at everything, dancing and what have you. Uh, he doesn't stutter, he speaks clearly, not, or at least more clearly. Everything changes about him, and it's not the result of just society made him crash, and now he thinks everything, his life's a comedy, not a tragedy, and now therefore he's a charismatic individual. Yeah. It, 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 all all he's done is kind of like release his pent up anger and and kill people, but it but nothing else like changes. So it's just kind of too, very sudden as a as a shift. Right, and as part of the shift, he which is probably like I think that goes to your point of all of these things happen in such a rapid succession that we can't like take them apart. If there was more distance between each of these, like, offsetting incidents, we could see maybe changes happen over time. Right, they just kind of cascade so quickly that it just happens. It, it, it's like a snap. It happens so fast. Um, so, he's at the Murray, so, moving on, he's at the Murray Franklin show. He clearly... Something, you know, people are weirded out by him. But Murray Frank was like, oh, let's give him a chance. You know, whatever. Right. He's edgy. Edgy I mean, commentary. The, the, and the things to note before this, too, is one, in his practicing at home, he's very much alluded to that he's going to kill himself on TV. Like, shoot himself in the yes, head. Yes, he certainly has. Which is such a, like, a, a network thing. Like, network was an old movie that where, like, that happens. Uh, spoiler. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's. I think there was also like a British um, newscaster in like the '80s or '90s who did this too. Um, so like, it's oh, wow. it's weirdly another thing that has that's like 
both in cinema and in real life, uh, which is kind of creepy. Um, yeah. But so we, so that's what we expect to happen at, in this, and and you know to remind people because Murray is meeting him and like laughing off the weirdness of his of his Joker character in the dressing room. He's dressed up like the image of the guy who killed three people on the subway like this week. Right. Which is right. that that's what's disturbing people. Like so exactly. much. Not, yeah, it's not just that he's a clown and being, you know, a clown on this topic yeah. is weird. It's that he's he's dressed up as the symbol of this clash of this like of this, of this like serial killer let loose in the city. Like that's right. basically yeah, this yeah. guy who hasn't been brought to justice. Right. So that but but he he would he, right he he kind of goes along with it for the shock value. And yeah, Murray's like any you know. Controversy creates ratings. Let's let's do it. Right, and so right, he has this s- s- strangely chart like smooth introduction, you know, walk on and all this kind of stuff, and then right. goes to the goes to the interaction with Murray, and Murray, you know, kind of gets right to like your classic late night thing. He's a comedian, you know, tell us a joke, right? Yeah. You got jokes, and his joke once again not funny to all of us is those, those subway murders. That was me. Like, Oh my God, this is a crazy moment. Yeah. And then we get, you know, shock and disbelief and what? And and, and it turns into Murray Franklin lecturing him. Yeah. Proceeding with the interview. Yeah. Insane. Like, no cops are, like, there's no security guards. I just submitted to murder on TV and nothing is going on. You just, murder's just like, how could you do that? He yeah. might as well have been asking about the weather. He's like, you killed those men. Those men had families or they were just kids or whatever yeah. he says. Right. About, you know, you're bad. Well, well, he also, like, he says in, like, a Thomas Wayne way, like, he's like, they had lives ahead of them and, like, He's like putting right, exactly. them on a pedestal, and yeah, it, yeah, it's so exaggerated too. But right, of course. But yeah, so this is this bizarre discussion is going on. Well, one sided really, because Joker doesn't say much. No, it's mostly just uh, lecturing at Joker. Yeah. Which, and then Joker just shoots him. Yeah, Joker. Joker has the. The line that is probably the bit the you know the most shock value has been quoted a ton is like, "What do you get if you like?" I'll paraphrase like, "Like don't take care of a, men, a mentally ill loner in a society that treats him like trash or something like that." So it's like you get what you deserve. Sure. Shoots him in the face. Shoots. And this is kind of he's been workshopping this joke for a long time, and it usually ends with him killing himself. Yes. And now it. So this is kind of the shift in his character, at least in the movie. He's become a. He's shifted from self hating and, you know, he's the sad sack to now he wants to be this force that punishes people for how they treat him. Yeah. Rather than just wanting the sweet release of death, he now wants to inflict death upon everyone. Can, can, can we talk for a second about how. The language in this 
it, it, in this line does not fit the Joker at all. And yeah, yeah, it, go for it. It's like so direct and punchy and I don't want to say like pol- political. It's not political, but it's so like issue-based and it's not at all wrapped in like language about being a comedian or anything like that, even if it's sinister. It just doesn't fit. It, it just seems so out of place. Yeah. And and, and even like the vengeance thing is kind of out of place for the Joker. I mean, this, I guess this is a different version. But like well, Joker think, getting back at people isn't the, even this way. Right. It's out of place for the Joker and it's out of place in this movie because like I guess we haven't built up that he's that, that, that he wants vengeance. I think a lot of this movie can be portrayed especially when he's suffering his, like, breaks, breakdowns and his sadness, as almost a guilt over killing those people on the subway. And then things shift. That he's happy about it, and he kills at least one, maybe, at least two, maybe three, and if he kills his girlfriend, more people. So he really has become a, you know, five, killed five, six people at least. Yeah, but, but the Joker that we know like, before this movie, would just, like, nonchalantly kill people and laugh about it. He wouldn't kill people because they wronged him, you know? And he needs some, like, huge vengeance thing. So it's a weird... It's weird that he frames it this this way. But, you know, that's that's, like... I guess that's one of the, like, two, like, climax... You know, climactic moments... And the end of this, because then he's, he, then he's arrested, right after this, right. and taken away in a police car, and which which is so reminiscent of the Dark Knight, right? Oh my God! When he's like, because he, he's leaning his head out the window, and uh, like, and he's in a police, co- and he's like being, ca- and he's been like captured, yeah. like, yeah. like okay, you wanna you wanna reference these Scorsese movies and these movies from the seventies that have the same kind of like environment that you have. How can you how can you straight up copy from the movie in this from the same character in the same series in like ten in the last ten years? Which also is your influence because of all the Jokers, he's you know the only like truly like dark and twisted Joker is this one, right? You know, because Heath Ledger is he's not the ha ha joke. Yeah, he's he's the scary he's the scariest of the Jokers that have been portrayed. Right. Yeah, because you don't know what he's, he's going to do next. Exactly, he's unpredictable. He's chaos as an yeah. entity. But, but yeah, so then, so ridiculous. Yeah, then his his cop car crashes. Well, it's hit. Now taking over the city. His cop car oh, is hit by yeah, an ambulance, right. which is stolen by which had been stolen by rioters. So, in effect, they almost kind of work for him, right? Because they're wearing these Joker masks. Which is a lot like the masks, right? Even in the beginning of The Dark Knight is a bank robbery with people wearing these masks. Then they end up being, like, the Joker's crew. That's what they're trying to, like, reference. Yeah. But in the movie, it just doesn't make any sense because... It's too... It's too coordinated. Yeah, it's, like, ridiculous. Yeah. How do they know it's that cop car and this ambulance yeah, and then he's like, people have said like, oh, it's all random, you know, everything in this thing is coincidences, but like, it's coincidence because it's just too fantastical to to follow. But yeah, then then he's like rescued 
in his mind in a way, and then he's like, he's he's got his mouth is all bleeding, but he's like praised by the rioters, and and then of course they have to show because oh. uh, could we get oh. one Batman? Could we get one movie that doesn't have this this damn alley? Why? I think it's called Crime Alley. Really I think I think it's called Crime Alley in in like Batman world. So do we need to see the fucking pearls anymore? Really, like we really need to see her pearls. Oh my god. God. Oh my. God. I mean, just he he lacked wow. the he lacked the will to do all that was necessary. I mean, it's just come on. I'm we know. We know. Scene in the movie. Yeah, no so so they repeat they repeat Zato. What we're saying, of course, and hopefully you've already seen it. Because we've been spoiling left and right. They repeat the they repeat the murder of Thomas and Martha Wayne in front of Bruce Wayne walking out of a movie theater, and it's a rioter who inspired by the Joker and repeats the same "you get what you deserve" line. So yeah, it's just it's so like gratuitous. Yeah, and then we and then. The movie kind of uh, goes black, and we're when we see uh, Arthur again, he's once again as reminiscing, reminiscent to his former conversations with his psychologist, caseworker, social worker. Uh, he's talking about things, and it seems like they're having two different conversations. Yeah. Once again. Right, and, um, and it seems like. He's thinking about all of these events that we've just witnessed in his mind. Right. Um, and she's not at all. Right. And, um, and then he, he uh, then the, the social worker who looks a lot like the social worker that, from before, and it's just like, yep. it's like a parallel scene. It's like, what, you know, what were you laughing at? Because he kind of laughs out loud. And this was the line that I, I kind of knew it was coming when he, said, when he just says, you wouldn't get it. Yeah. That's become a meme, too. Yeah. You wouldn't get it. Um, yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of funny because in this scene, he's almost the joke. And this is why where I think they're going to go. Because, well, one, we should just say, he, he then murders the social worker. Right. That one we know for sure, even though we don't see it, because he's, he's, we, his, the last thing is him running around the halls with bloody footprints. Right. So, clearly murders a social worker, clearly trying to escape. And again, it wouldn't be Joker escaping Arkham Asylum is a true show like any other in yes. the Batman universe. So, that, though, uh, though to, be, to be fair, I don't think it's ever been depicted in a movie. He's, no, never, really, kind of he's never actually been in Arkham Asylum in, in these movies, so... All right, something it's different. True. Yeah, but it's kind of even like I knew that just because I feel like that's kind of a Batman joke, right? He puts the villain in the jail, and they always get out. Right. Because you know, Joker just escapes from Arkham Asylum. Uh, right. Yeah. So, so we actually see it in this movie, or the attempt, at least. Yeah, we see the beginnings of it, and so this is. I think this this final scene is really interesting because it gives. Because if you follow the narrative of the movie, it just shows it, it just okay he does all this crazy shit and he gets caught and he obviously is deranged so they put him in an arkham asylum and he's now going through counseling uh because he's in the 
not guilty by insanity or, or whatever. Yeah. But, and he's like, so therefore he's locked up. I, I think that's like on face value. For me though, because the way he's so calm and he's smoking a cigarette in this scene, it just seems like it's, and the way they flash on Thomas Wayne's murder, they bring it up, they show it again. Yeah. They show Bruce Wayne's face. It just, it showed, it, it told me there's something more. I, I don't know exactly what part of it's fake. I'm tempted to say it's all fake after he, he doesn't get off his meds. Part of me wants to say that this is actually a, a competent Joker the whole time. That Joker's telling his story of how he became who he is. And if we get a sequel, we're going to see a much different Joker in the next one because he's this fully formed version. And we, what we saw was the origin movie that was told mostly through flashbacks and his own twisted version of it. Yeah. But I'm not really, but I'm kind of interested to see. What do you think about that? I, like how much is real? What You said you had a nuanced take. I think my, my take is that some of it is real and some of it is not. I... And, and the reason I'm saying that is because if none of it is real and it's just a middle finger to the audience, then there's, there's like really no point to this movie. And I can't, I, 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 I can't. I think it was the highest, highest grossing R-rated movie ever made. I know. Yes. Money. Money is why they do it. But like, there's just, I have to think that they're, that they, Intend even with the, you know the world of cinema for this to this like story arc to mean anything. It well, just oh, here's an interesting thing about like you know kind of going inside baseball about it. Walking uh, Phoenix, obviously very famous, very well known, highly decorated actor. Uh, why hasn't you know, the, the question arises? Why hasn't that guy been in a Marvel movie? They get a lot of other great actors. It turns out he didn't want to do a superhero movie because he didn't want to commit himself to the standard Marvel, you know, seven film contract. Yeah, I don't know if Marvel wanted him. You know. Uh, well, he's actually done an interview where he said he said he didn't want to do a, a, a bunch of movies, and actually, when this movie was started, he said he wanted to do just one. The reason he liked it was because it wasn't really part of a universe; it was separate. Yeah. Except now movies come out, the movie's made a million, a billion, almost a billion dollars. And I don't think it was that expensive. Outside of maybe, outside of his salary, this movie feels kind of inexpensive. Oh, this movie was so cheap. I mean, yeah. it's no special effects, no, you know, no CGI. It's no other, no other real no other big actors. actors. Yeah. Actors, yeah. Yeah, no, this movie was dirt cheap. It made a ton of money, usually profitable. This movie's going to be a sequel, and I think they're just going to throw Robert Downey your money out on the feet until he says yes. Yeah. Pretty much. Right. And so now I think if you make if, when you start this process, and you think it's just going to be one movie, you can leave this because like Inception doesn't have a sequel. Yeah. You, know, you can leave things unclear if you just are going to make a one-off movie. If this movie clearly I think has had a lot of studio-generated Oscar buzz. Which is wild to me. The movie sucks. But yeah. If you're gonna make this like kind of 
you know, oh, this is the Thinking Man superhero movie, and this is the... Which it's not. Let's point out that it no, is not, it's audience. Not. It is not, not a Thinking Man's movie. It. Definitely It's not. like a superficial, superficially a Thinking movie. Oh, yeah. Yep, it's fake deep. Yeah, exactly. Fake deep. But... Darkness doesn't need to equal death. Right. Darkness and minimal dialogue is not... Yeah. No. That was yeah, another gripe. That was another gripe. So, I, I think... I agree. Unclear whether it means anything or not. Seems like you're saying, like, it was maybe all imagined. Um, but, you know, it means to be seen what they do with it. Um, another thing I thought, like, speaking about, like, the fake depth... He's supposed to have this journal with all of his thoughts in them, right? Yeah. We we get like none of them, and we, we get snippets. We get like nothing of his own mind. We're just kind of just like shown a lot of the scenes of him like staring at himself and that kind of stuff. I I I personally like would have found the whole psychological aspects of this movie much more interesting if they. If they, like, wrote more than they showed us. But I don't think they did. You know what I mean? Like, if they really... Yeah. If they really had the whole layout in their minds and they and they gave us some of the journal or they gave us, you know, his voice of his thoughts or something of his thoughts, we, he doesn't, like, actually express thoughts to people or to the audience at all in this movie. You're just kind of left to decide what drives him this way or that way Agreed. which is which is i think not helpful in what like is at best like a psychological twist movie yeah it's trying to hide it's trying to it's trying to imply depth that it doesn't have yeah i mean the best my the, like my actually my brother compared it to fight club it's a wannabe fight club. Yeah. With all, the, with all the twists it has. Oh, and, and the and the cutback just, with the with the non-existent girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I just kind of think that it doesn't. The main thing about that is that you, about fight club is you're you're very much in the mind. Yeah. You know, in its mind, and you, that's what makes it so interesting, right? And yet here we're not in his mind at all. So you're trying to. You know, again, Joaquin Phoenix is a great actor, and he's doing a lot of work in this movie, but sometimes you just, you know, you need to, the dialogue exists. <laughs> yeah, I would say, I would say, like, as is often my case with these movies, I don't have any issue with the performances or the actors. It's not, it's definitely not down to that. It's, it's the oh, direction that they were given more than anything else. Um, and, and and you talk about like you know a lot of uh, Fight Club references like another like psychological thriller kind of movie with some of these elements it's like American Psycho American Psycho um, yep. you know the the Patrick Bateman character you get his thoughts at different times and that's some of like the most disturbing things in the movie is like the stuff that comes out of his head you don't really get right. that with the Joker and you could like he could really you know mess with you verbalizing it to a character or or in his head you don't get any of it so well, it's, kind of, it's actually a good point because the, the very few snippets we get of the journal that you can see on screen 
it's really fucked up. And if he ever, like, portrayed that to read, and you got, like, a greater sense that this individual is deranged or he's, you know, he's a, a villain, it, it just, the movie just tried to walk the line of whether, it's like the movie couldn't decide whether he was going to be sympathetic or not. So they were, they wanted to tease that, oh, he is bad with this journal, but they didn't want to give, have him have inner monologues or inner thoughts that showed truly how bad he was. Yeah. Which I, by like walking this tightrope, you know, they fell off on both sides, I think. Agreed. Um, but. So, one last thing about him as a Joker, in the jo- as like, not just Arthur Fleck, but as the Joker, is that this Joker would lose to Batman in three seconds. Yeah, this, this Joker has no physicality at all. Well, not only that, because, I mean, the Heath Ledger Joker had some physicality, but not, like, not Batman-level physicality. His thing, though, was a planner, and you could tell he was very smart. This Joker walks into everything. He's kind of just a bumbling idiot walking around. I don't believe for a second that he would last at all against Batman. The only way I can, this is why I'm kind of thinking if they were going to make a more, this more into a universe that it would involve Batman is only if what he is at the end is just a complete, in the next movie he's completely different than what we've seen in this movie. That his transformation at the end into the charismatic, speech-giving individual, shooting Murray, and then like leading the crowd of, uh, crowd of clowns, yeah. is just who he is. Yeah, because that 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 version maybe could take on Batman in a Joker way, but not the version we've seen where he can't string two sentences together, or where he doesn't engender loyalty or passion. Because that's the thing about the Joker is that Joker always has a ton of minions. Yes, and and they like they know that <laughs> they every one of them has seen somebody else get killed on this team, and they're still there. Yeah. Exactly. Now, he does recruit from the lowest denominator of people that have these, you know, he's able to convince people of mental problems. That his, and that's kind of like, that's his... That's that's part of his thing, and, yeah. That's part of his thing. None of that's evident here, I think. Do you, do, do you think yeah. that this Arthur character definitely is the Joker? He's not just well, somebody who thought about him? Like, let's say that the really, Joker exists really and will be a, the Joker as a character will be brought into something in the future. Like, is is this just his imagine? You know, is is this just some guy thinking that, or or is he the Joker? But this stuff didn't necessarily happen, but it happened in his mind, so it might as well be real to him, and it brings yeah. him to do it. You know, it's like it, it's like it almost doesn't matter whether or not it doesn't matter what's real. What's real, if it actually changes his, you know, behavior and personality, then it's real to him. Yeah, that's you. See, here when I when I saw the movie for the first time, the way they when he's having given the speech and the way they flash to the, you know, they flash to Bruce Wayne's face, I almost got. I thought the movie was... I'm not sure if this is true. I haven't seen anybody else say this. I almost thought the movie was just saying that he killed Thomas Wayne. There are... there. I mean, there's versions of the Joker 
origins where he's the gun he's the gunman. Right. But even the Jack Nicholas Joker. Right. Right. But it's either that or he imagined this stuff and and that's why he can put Tom you know Thomas Wayne's face right in front of him because he wasn't really there he's just imagining it. Yeah, because otherwise I just thought it was a weird. It's either one, it's something going. It's one he in some way killed him, and he imagined this backwards scenario. How to get into the situation? Two, uh, the movie's just hammering over your head, head, and this is kind of uncharitable, but it's just hammering over your head. Oh, it's a Batman movie. This is the Joker, and this yeah. is Batman. They're going to show their last scene together, even though even though they're not like related at all. It's very, it's a very tangential that he led to. You know Bruce being murdered. It's kind of. It seemed like this this city was a boiling pot, was a pot ready to boil over anyway. Right. Regardless of where I took it. So and then or the third is what is what kind of what you said. And I don't know. I'm kind of interested to see how, where they take it more from like a curiosity standpoint, less from a I'm going to see the next movie. Yeah, I'm skeptical on on the next. Uh, obviously, I think yeah, you feel the same way. Um, they either could do, you know, if they're going to do something that ref- uses this at all, they could do pure sequel, right, with this fully formed Joker character, or they could do, they could they could steal, you know, talk about stealing movies, they could steal, like, a page out of M. Night Shyamalan's book and do, like, a parallel story in the world, like the way they did Unbreakable and then Split, you know? Like, something that yeah. carries the, the feel of this movie... But is maybe a different, you know, Batman villain or you know Joker in another context or like some way that they can they can claim that we all feel like they're related even though they actually don't try to connect the plots. Yeah, I mean, I like I also like how they haven't boxed themselves in with you know, the new Batman movies, uh, the one starring Robert Pattinson. I don't think he's using Joker as the villain. In that movie, I think they're doing Penguin. If pa- Pattinson is going to be Penguin. No, Pattinson's going to be Batman. Oh, okay. Yeah. I got to get up up on this one. Yeah, he's the new Batman in the cast. Originally, Jonah Hill, I think, was going to play Penguin, and then. Uh, oh no. He he's not. <laughs> Thank so. God. They should get Danny DeVito again. He's still around. <laughs> Bring it back to Batman too. Well, and all we need is uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger as as Mr. Freeze. Yeah. <laughs> all, both these guys are doing. I love those cold puns. Yeah. <laughs> the Ice Age. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you do you feel like Batman and Robin was better than this movie? Uh, I mean, I can't remember the last. It, I honestly don't even know if I've ever seen like the full Batman and Robin. I've seen pieces of it. It's pretty terrible, but but depending on your approach, you, you know, it's at least as it, it's it's funnier than the Joker is. Well, the thing about this movie, which I, I think is there are certain parts of this movie that I was like, oh, it's kind of interesting. I get what they're going for. I'm kind of entertained by it. And then it just kind of lost me. And then, and then send in the clients. Like, yeah, I was like, oh, this movie's a piece of shit. And I was I was a little bit... I didn't know how to feel when I walked into this movie because I was... Part of me was 
very excited and I thought this Joker movie. Part of me was, you know, I'm not someone who really likes the dark movies. I think that's what that's what makes The Dark Knight so good is that it is a darker movie. And I, I think it, it's it's proven over time as the exception rather than the rule. And look at all the other dark superhero movies that have made. You have this new DC universe with, like, you know, Man of Steel. Yeah. Which, Justice League. Which, yes, they made money. we got to point that out. But well, not really not workable. Well. Yeah. yeah. Or, or even like Superman. or even like the Daredevil TV show on Netflix like had a good first season but didn't didn't hold like you, you, it's hard to keep people with that yeah, dark and, world. And the dark the dark Fantastic Four movie was just such a disaster. Uh, really like the DCEU only got more successful once it started getting lighter. You know Wonder right, Woman, like a Wonder Woman, Aquaman. Aquaman. Yeah. I mean, this movie was successful in its own right. I think partially because the hype. I mean, I feel, I think it's gonna get a sequel. I could really see the sequel of this movie not doing well because how is the sequel gonna have as much co- buzz and controversy as this movie did? Yeah. I just don't I see it. So it, I mean, I would respect them a lot more if they just said, "No, it was a one-off movie." Right. We're just exploring this, the Joker character, and that's that's what they went with. They honestly but should the leave it there, so rather than tie the next movie to this one. Yeah, I'd like that too, but you know, they probably won't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do you, do you have anything else to say about the Joker? So yeah, I I, I mean I think we covered it well. I, I I don't know what the future for I, I, none of us really know what the the. the true future for DCU is I mean we'll see the next kind of Batman iteration how if anything will connect to it um, I mean, more I Harley Quinn spin-off right. movies yeah. it, they just seem to be going off in like all different directions and not committing right. to uh, a Marvel equivalent connected universe so which I mean I think it's kind of I, re- I finally think that's smart it, it gives them a little time to reboot about Okay, now do the next Justice League. Do the next Justice League in a number of years after you've reestablished the core team and dynamics. Right. Yeah, so do another Do another Wonder Woman movie. Aquaman's gonna get another movie because it made a billion dollars. Shazam's gonna get another movie because it made a lot of money on a cheap, on a relatively cheap budget. So those are all gonna get another movies. Those are all kind of baseline characters. I don't think you need to rush into a Flash movie or rush into a new Batman movie. I know they're planning one, but it's going to be for a while down the road. No need to, I, I don't know if Henry Cavill's going to be Superman anymore. I don't think so. I think he's out. He's That's been up in the air. I mean, maybe you just don't need to do Superman. You know, it's kind of hard to do that. It's hard to bring Superman. Um, Superman in a team is so difficult. You really have to, like, really thread is. the needle. Of, 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 like, hiding all of his, like, obvious, like, overpowering strengths. So, it's just, yeah, they're better know, off kinda have, trying I mean, to... You kind of have to do what Justice League did, or what uh, Avengers did, where you just have your overpowered character not there for most of the fight. Exactly. Which is kind of a lame way to use Superman, but... Uh, but we didn't hate the, you know, yeah. We didn't hate it in, in some instances, so that, I, it's still... Well, I mean, here's the thing, right? Captain Marvel, I, I, I don't hate it now because 
she's been in two movies, and one was her own movie, so obviously that makes sense. One event in Endgame, she shows up right at the end. No, she's in the beginning, and she's right at the end. But if that was like a routine. If the next ten Marvel movies had, or the next ten Marvel team up movies had Captain Marvel show up in the oh, last yeah. five minutes and yeah. wreak massive havoc, that would be like, oh my god, this find something else to do with her character. Find something a little more interesting. Yeah, because that's. And that's the thing they need to figure out with Superman, which is, it's really hard. Because when you have this overpowered character, that's what, I mean, we talked about this with Shazam. Maybe the way to do it is more that magic realm. Right. Superman's not necessarily overpowered. Yeah, it's it's different versions of kryptonite. It's magic. It's, you know, something that, like, a con, you know, conspiracy or a plot that he has to, f- to figure out that he's, like, not good at things that aren't just smashing through a building. Like, yeah. you got to use different ways that that exactly. it's just not, like, yeah, like, the audience can't be yelling, like, use your use your x-ray vision or use your heat vision. And yeah, solve the problem by punching into the sun. Like, right. Do something else. Yeah, so... Yeah, like, a Zemo-type villain would be interesting. Right. Yeah, so I, I, I agree. I think, I think just, uh, we as much as I want a connected universe, they are, I agree that they're better off holding holding off on that and maybe like waiting for the next the next you know crop of like act, actors coming through the through the system to, or, or to build that like figure out figure out what works i mean you know right now it seemed I, I think the tone established by by wonder woman shazam and aquaman you could do a more lighthearted justice then if you want to explore the dark stuff you can do it with a a Joker side movie or a Birds of Prey side movie. I'm not really, based on the trailer, I'm not really sure what that movie's going to be like. I can't yeah. really, you know, get what it's, I mean, Suicide 2, Suicide Squad 2 is coming out. I, I, oh, I, I, I mean, I know what that movie is going to be like. It's going to be terrible. But yeah. other than. The, the, Birds of, the Birds of Prey movie, the Harley Quinn movie? Yeah. The trailer seemed pretty bad, but. I'm reserving judgment because that's generous. Yes, and and want him to do well, and and that's probably a great segue to what I we're planning for the rest of the season. <laughs> so you know, I uh, we were both talking about this. How do we want to to wrap up this season this year? Uh, we've talked about a lot of DC. We've talked about a lot of Marvel, um, but. Uh, you know, we we do want to cover some other areas of kind of, you know, similar similar fandom as well. Um, so we're both, you know, big Star Wars fans, and um, Episode Nine is going to come out in December. It's going to be the end of this this new trilogy, like the the Disney led Star Wars trilogy. So what we want to do leading up to it is we're is we're planning to to take a look back at Episode Seven and Eight. And then bring you guys episode nine as well um, for right, the end exactly. of the season. Uh, depending on the time, we may we may do a kind of having podcasts released until then. We may do just a seven and eight. We may do kind of a a combo of them or a combo of them. Maybe we'll do a prequels or an original trilogy kind of like review of where we've come, comparing it. We, we've got a lot of options. We both really like Star Wars. That's one of the, you know, kind of the foundational movie series. 
yeah, and, and, and I'm excited to do something. You know, it's got its own, its its own quirks to it, its own elements to it. Um, it it's similar to things that we've done, but but it's a lot of like different things to it, and and so much more of this continuing story. So, I, you know, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to do. I agree. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm excited to talk about. I love talking about Star Wars. I I probably watched more hours on Star Wars discussions, and, and basically, I want to just talk about the Star Wars movies for as long as I can remember. So I'm really excited to do this. Talk about it. Yeah, yeah. So so check out that. That's going to be coming out. Um, you know, in the next couple of weeks as we get, you know, get get closer and closer to episode nine release and uh you know of course let us know what you think about you know our podcast uh you know let if you agreed with us disagreed with us your thoughts on the joker we'd love to hear it all and um yeah we'll be bringing you Wait, more stuff soon subscribe tweet at us uh email us Nick, what's our email address our email address yeah. is is nasmo podcast so N-A-S-M-O podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and you know, we want to, part of the reason why we do this is we like talking about it. We would do it for fun because we, we did it for years before without clicking record. But part of the cool thing is that, you know, we've each had conversations with people who listen, you know, outside and, you know, it's like, oh, I, when you said this, that's interesting. I didn't think of it or I disagree with you. I, you know, I think this. So that's kind of like the thing I've gotten most out of. We love, love like, generating the conversation and and just getting to hear more about, you know, how everyone everyone, uh, takes it and and getting that vibe for it. All right. So see you guys, hear from you guys next week. Hopefully uh, Joker goes out. Again, we tried to do shorter podcasts recently, but... The Joker is so out there in the zeitgeist, we had to bring you a massive one. We had to break uh, it down. Had to do it. Had to do it to him. We'll, we'll get back more to the normal schedule. Uh, Although maybe, I don't know, I can't promise anything with The Last Jedi. So with, it might be a four-hour podcast. <laughs> 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 All right, but but yeah, we're, we're excited to bring more for you. So stay tuned. All right. All right.